0: If you've been listening to the most recent episodes, you've noticed that I've been exploring the theme of what it's going to mean to be a salesperson in the post-pandemic economy. It's not very clear in a lot of ways where a salesperson is going to be able to provide the most value As buyers are going to be re-examining what's important to them, the way that they ask questions and seek out information about things that they're interested in, and it may or may not include a salesperson at all in the process. So I wanted to bring in Paul Kiwi to have a discussion with me about this particular topic. Paul has been around for so long and has demonstrated just consistent thought leadership when it comes to the environment of selling, what's necessary to be seen as a professional salesperson. And now he's taken a lot of that knowledge that he's gathered up over the years and he's put it in a book form. Summit, Reaching the Peak of Your Potential, is a really, really great read for anybody who is already in sales or maybe knows someone who is considering getting started on an entrepreneur's quest or in a sales role in a more formal setting I think it's a really valuable conversation. I think there's much to be had out of it when it comes to thinking about what's going on in the world of sales these days. Give it a listen. Welcome back. And my apologies for having kept you away for so long. I'm terribly sorry. No problem. Was not intentional. But you've been such an inspiration to me. You've taught me so much. This is the coolest time for me to have a chance to really talk to you because you did a thing. You did a thing, you finally broke down and told the world that you were going to write a book, and you put a date to it, and you asked people to help you, and next thing you know, lo and behold, we have Summit, Reaching the Peak of Your Potential, as written by Paul Kiwi. Welcome to author land, sir. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to be there, (laughs) at long last. It's kind of like getting tattoos, no? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Once you're there, you're like, oh, all right, I get this. I get this. Uh, You may or may not have seen this, but our friends, yours and mine, Bill Petrie and Kirby Haussmann, do the promo upfront podcast. And in the most recent edition of that particular show, they had a very pointed conversation about whether or not sales as a discipline is dead. Hmm. So the nuance of the discussion really focused around the concept of being a hunter. And I just want a trained killer salesperson that beats the streets and makes all the calls. And, you know, that's I'm looking for a hunter. And Bill was being somewhat unhappy about the idea of that even being a personality trait that a employer would be looking for in their salespeople. Right, And that was sort of where, came out on that particular topic and it, you know it was one of their more emotional discussions which I always enjoy when those two guys get going at it. so who better than to expound upon this particular topic than mr. Kiwi as it pertains to the lovely tome that you just wrote about an entire career in sales so <laughs> so let's delve into that a little bit shall we you you said something in the book that I actually, took a took a moment to actually quote you. So you said, the old days of hiring young people and teaching them are past. <laughs> so if sales as a discipline doesn't exist anymore and we have uh, outdated and antiquated methods by which to educate and inform the next generation of people who would do what it is that we would have them do how on earth are we supposed to manage our way through this thing, Paul Kiwi?
1: <laughs> well, uh, the the quote's really in in the context of I don't believe in hunters. Um, right. I believe in problem solvers, and right. that theme runs through and through and through the book um, to the point where I get sick of it. But uh, <laughs> one of my first and early big statements is: problem solvers always make money. Find the pain and be the aspirin, yeah. and. I think of sales, I think people that are in sales that are just going out for a sale are really not doing themselves or their companies a favor. Right. I've always viewed it as relationship building. And if you're hunting for anything, you're hunting for a relationship. You want to get to know people so that they will open up to you about where their pain points are. And then you can be a friend, you can be an important person in their life to help them delve into those problems and find the right solutions for them. And many times, as promotional products professionals, we have the solution. Sometimes we don't. And if we're building a relationship, we know the difference, and we're not going to recommend a product to solve a problem that, you know, that really goes back to my old quote when I first called on the pharmaceutical company. Um, diagnosis or prescription without diagnosis is malpractice and too many people in this industry will take an order and just blindly place the order and then are surprised when it doesn't work, it fails the client, they wasted money, they wasted resources, they polluted the environment and they don't come back to that person again and they're wondering what happened? I sold them what they wanted. I got it to them on time. I met their budget. And it's like,
0: yeah, but you didn't solve the problem. At all. And the examples of that lack of expertise can be found in the closets of almost every business out there because absent the expertise necessary to make an effective solution, an effective product, the result then ends up not being used hiding in the recesses of these organizations and consequently, think about it, it's like our basements. Everything that's down there largely is something that was useful to us at one point, but no longer is and may again someday. But in reality, when we go down there, all we really see is the sum total of our lack of (laughs) decision-making. Right. In much the same way that that closet full of branded merchandise that ultimately didn't move the needle. And Paul, what's interesting to me is I'm in a unique position that many of the customers that we've been successful in getting for Social Good Promotions will admit to us that prior to doing work with us, they didn't do work with anyone. They used the Internet. Right. And it was frustration over the lack of well-done decisions enabled by the Internet that motivated them to seek another answer. right? And so knowing that there's opportunity, but I think you and I and most of maybe the people who would be paying attention to this topic would agree, this is not limited to the promotional marketing industry. This is all across sales. There are really bad examples of people who just take orders and don't really give any consideration to what is necessary to make that sale actually work the way it's supposed to, right? Right, right. What I love about what you did was you didn't just stand on your soapbox and proselytize to the people in your pages you you give some stuff that people could use to help organize their their thought process around how to get out of this i'm just a generalist and maybe into like where can you live mm-hmm. so one of the things i really wanted you to talk about is this four quadrant Thing that you put yourself through, as far as the stuff that you love doing and the stuff that you wanted to stop doing, like, why is that? What's that exercise for everybody? Talk through that, and then what is the importance of creating something like a stop doing list? Why was that important for you?
1: the uh, The stop doing list is more important in many ways than the to do list. Uh, many of us get into a routine and a false belief and continue to do the things that aren't working and you know the old definition of insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. The stop doing list is important that we're not wasting our time, that we're not responding to the unimportant things because really the non-urgent, non-important things are the easy ones
0: Mm -hmm. and there's
1: very little consequence to them as well. So Even if you mess up, no, you got it off check, you got it off your checklist. It's I tried to make drive home the point that being a professional and working with the type of clients that you want to work with and doing the type of of work, the art that you can create really requires hard work. It's not easy. It took me 19 years to land one one account that makes everybody drool if I mention the name, but it was a consumer products account in the grocery space. I spent 19 years subscribed to Progressive Grocer Magazine and attending trade shows. And when I did have opportunities to talk to people from that company, I could talk to them in terms of the problems they were experiencing in their industry right now. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of, oh, and I've got this, I can put an imprint on this, and um, hey, have you ever thought of using blank? It's like, no. It's like, how are you getting shelf space today when grocers are charging for every inch of shelf space they give you? You got to pay before you put your product on the shelf. When you've got a new product and you don't know if it's going to succeed, that's a problem. How can we talk about what potential solutions we might be able to come up with so that your sales force can talk to their customers in the right way to get the right results and, and make things happen. It's not easy, but you wouldn't expect it to be. If you want to become vice president of marketing for a company like Coca-Cola, you're not going to just walk in there without knowing anything about the beverage industry. Right. And um, it's a matter of, of learning those businesses so that you can talk to them in their language. I used to work with with uh, Borden, which had a ton of brands back in their heyday before they got scattered into a million pieces. Sure. Uh, and Wyler's was one of their brands, which was one of the first beverages I worked on. Everything they talked about was share of belly. It was like, you know, we can only get so much into people's bellies. What's the share of belly? And you don't read that. That's not a term everybody uses. But when you start talking in terms of presenting a solution to a client like that, and you, you throw that in there, they're like, Ooh,
0: Yeah. this knows our business. Speaking my language. Yeah. And, and to me, what I loved about the way you organized your thought process in that particular chapter of the book is people will, will be often uh, in the presence of a message that excites them about wanting to do something. And then they literally were like, I don't have a clue to get going on what I just heard, right? Mm-hmm. And so, by the things that I thought were really brilliant about the way you organize your behavior, there was let, let's let's talk about the stuff we really love doing. Let's think about the things we really hate doing. Let's write down the things that we're good at, and then let's leave that fourth section for like what's important to us. What what are our values? What do we care about? Because. Really, until you've articulated all of that, you're not really going to know where you need to live. You're really not going to know where your lane is. And you might think that you're living in a place that would be comfortable, but in reality, you won't stick it out for the long term because it isn't an actual reflection of each of those four categories. Because what we're looking for and what Paul is trying to say is if you're going to commit yourself to this plan and that you're going to actually go for the brass ring. You probably want it to be chasing things that you actually enjoy. And if you're not doing that, then the likelihood of you sticking that out for the long term is diminished. So why not get real clear about the things that are really the stew that's going to be what you want your gig to be, and then get real clear about it and write it the F down, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. The thing that
1: when I hit a certain point in sales and could not get past it, the one discipline that I started doing that really made a difference was firing clients. Mm-hmm. At the end of each year, I would look at my client list, how much business they did with me and made a judgment based on, was it worth my time? And also, did I like working with them? I had a client who every time the phone rang and I knew it was them, my, my stomach would get tight and not. And it was like, by having that time of understanding it, it was like, it's time for you to let go of that yeah nobody better out there for you that you're going to enjoy working with similarly i had many times when working with companies uh clients and large companies and you built that relationship they get a promotion or they move to another company and i always thought it was great it's a twofer i get to keep my other client and i get the new client i had one that moved to a tobacco company and i felt it went against my values right i could have easily had a a tobacco company account probably would have been a six, maybe up to a seven figure a year account. But I had to ask myself, are you going to feel good about Paul knowing that you're promoting something that's killing people and ruining the health of a country? And that's why it goes back to our original statement about being hunters. If sales and, and hitting a number are all that's important, I don't see how you can really be fully successful unless you feel good about yourself and and the life you're building and the story you're writing. Uh, Because in the end, that's, that's really the important thing.
0: In many ways, I think just purely from a productivity and efficiency perspective, if you are a hunter, you have to hunt so much more than people who are not doing that, that way, because the hunter is going to come for my accounts And my accounts are going to ignore them because that's not the kind of people that they want. So that he or she tasked with that kind of activity has to take on so much more volume to get to the same place because there's no repeat nature to a transactional relationship. There just isn't. So you have to reinvent your sales activities pretty much on the hour. And I just, Especially the way the world is today, I just don't think that scales very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of your clients had been dealing with the internet, and we hear distributors all the time complaining about prices people are finding on the internet and so on. It's not that. Right. Create a better experience. Create more value and be a more valuable asset, and and people are going, clients are going to stay. Um, our friend Joe Scott had often said companies cut expenses, but they never cut value, right? They never cut the things that are making money for them. And it's our job to make sure that what we do is increasing their productivity and and getting the results they want. Then we never have to worry about being a budget item. That's going to get, get slashed.
0: Be an investment, not an expense. They usually will continue to invest, but they will cut expenses. So, all right. So here's another one that see, and like, Proof positive that I haven't written you a review yet, but clearly I read the book. (laughs) You have this example of increasing level of value of sales by starting at what you considered product selling, product selling, and then the next one that you put on there is, is near and dear to my heart, idea sales. Then you said program sales, and lastly, process sales. Talk about what that means.
1: Well, process sales are when you make yourself part of the organization. So it's part of how they function and, and how they, they go to market. And you have done your homework to such a point that you can create your processes so that they become their processes. You now, when you're just strictly selling product, it's product. When you move it to ideas, you're moving also to an area where you're realizing that it's, it's not what a product does it's not what a product is. It's what a product means. It's mm-hmm. what's it what's it, what's it, it making the recipient feel like. Uh, moving into program selling, then you're turning it into more of an incentive or a premium, or it's connected to a desired behavior. When you're getting into process sales, then you're creating company stores. You're creating uh, length of service programs. You're creating things that become part of the, the client's business, and you're creating creating continuity for you, for yourself and repeat business for yourself that
0: is wonderful business. Agreed. So in real-life context, because of the dynamic changing economy that is literally every day something more amazing and wild happens than the day before, but as you go out of your way to try to point out in the book is, but this is also a massive opportunity. It's for- true. For so many people, but it requires an uncoupling of the thought process that most folks make around how would I now perceive my opportunity in the marketplace in a way that I could go communicate it in in a way that the people that we would want to pay attention to us would stand up and take notice of what we're saying. And to me, the most obvious example of this in this moment is the fact that there are a lot of people with open spots on their org chart. (laughs) And we are a tremendously effective medium in helping businesses make connections with prospective employees in ways that almost none of the other media can do. And for the average employer, the employees they seek love the swag, like more than they've ever loved anything ever in the history of our whole industry. They love our stuff if it's done well. If it's if it's got the story that goes along with it, if it's a reflection of this hiring business's values, it becomes an extension of your brand in a way that gives you a competitive advantage in a time when if you can get butts in chairs, you're probably going to outsell your competition. So consequently, we are enormously important to the HR department right now. And most promotional marketing distributors have no idea how to go tell that story. And that's a problem. And if we could do a better job of using what you're talking about to our advantage, we would probably not feel as much tension as we do about knowing we could probably get orders and more accounts if we could just, if we could just. And it's because you didn't do the work that Paul's telling you to do in the book. Put it on a calendar, work on your business, create an opportunity so that suddenly the HR managers at the businesses that you wanna do business with in your town know who you are because you've given them a chance to see you as someone who understands what their challenges are and can do things like make great promotional marketing items that can assist in this process. Game over. Hopefully some of my customers are going to listen to that and I'll get some orders today. Who knows? But the, but the point is it's, that's a practical real life today example of the things that you're talking about in the book and process sales. To me, what makes them the most beneficial Paul is you have a great process that solves a problem really well. Just go find more people with that problem.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: That's and scalable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we we have the perfect props for stories. And storytelling is more important than ever before. Yeah. Um, visual communication is more important than ever before. And we, we can create such beautiful items and can make a brand story really come to life and help clients help other people understand what their, what their brand means, what their, what their story they're trying to tell. And when you can get potential employees and employees excited to be a part of that story, they want to tell it as well. You know, we talk about promotional products as being the only medium out there that can touch all five senses, but we can also touch the heart. I mean, we also have this affinity, affiliation, it's, it's a real soft concept, but we, we reach right down into the meaning of, of a brand. And that is an important story for us to learn how to tell. And we're going to have to tell it a little bit different for every, every company. Uh, and that's going to mean, before you call on that HR person, of taking a look at, at their website, taking a look at their mission statement and value statement. Start picking up on some of the language they're using and, and words they're using. Then when you talk to them, you're talking their language and you're t- showing them that you know how to tell their story and you've got just the right right things that are going to make that story come to life. Yeah. And then you're creating an
0: experience and that's going to appeal. You cover in depth in the book how a trust foundation for your relationship with your client sort of is... Where the jumping off point for everything else that Paul wants you to do in the book is really this, it's the front door of the discussion. If you can't do that, then most of the rest of what he's gonna want you to do is probably gonna fall flat. So knowing that you need to be in a position, I mean, this is what I talked about in our book, this whole idea of no like and trust being a pyramid, you know, mine's a pyramid, yours is a mountain. But but at the end of the day, the story is it's a journey of a lifetime of steps that if you're a student of the journey itself, it makes what you're doing on a day in and day out basis not feel like sales. It makes it feel like you're building relationships with people that are growing in trust over time. And if you give yourself that opportunity, you can scale the heights of a 16,000 foot mountain, even though the first time not so good right? You learned in the process.
1: You learn in the process. You learn where you have to step back occasionally. Um, You know, in climbing a high peak, like Kilimanjaro or Ararat, you have to climb up to a higher point and then come back down again. And you're really inside swearing at your guide. (laughs) It's like, we just hiked 12 hours to make 2,000 feet of altitude gain to only turn around and come back to the camp we stayed at the night before. <laughs> the analogy would be the learning process of really working at, at learning your business, learning your your customers, and learning how to solve their
0: problems. That, we just landed the plane, sir. I mean, I don't know how better to wrap it up than to really elegantly express, you know, you told a story in a book But really, you were teaching as you were telling the story. And most of our customers, all of us as people who go see movies, if you read a book, if you really are entertained in any way, shape or form, there is a story built around what you're being told. So being in a position to better articulate your story is really as much what we're trying to get across to you as anything. and be it Paul Kiwi, Roger Burnett, you know, we're living examples of accepting that responsibility and crafting a career around trying to make that be the case. Can't thank you enough for coming and spending some time and talking about the book. Tell it's, it's digital. Talk about all, how we get this, get this thing. Well, here it is. There you go. (laughs) Summit. It's available
1: on uh, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. And it's available both as uh, um, an ebook as well as a nice hardcover.
0: I don't think there's a whole lot more that needs to be said about that. If you are seeking the highest levels of attainment in your sales career, do yourself a favor and pick up this book. It's one of those ones that you could keep in your bag or keep in your car, around you, around your person. If you're ever needing just that extra little pick-me-up, I think this one would be the one that you'd want to have available to you just to make you feel better about what it is you're doing when you're particularly struggling, maybe not loving life that day. So give it a give it a look on Amazon. Keep liking the show. Keep subscribing. Keep sharing it with your friends. And we will keep doing what we're doing, bringing you great guests every two weeks. Until next time, this is Roger signing out.